can't really sing. <laughs> la, 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 la. You're listening to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. The Sports Blog New York Podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, SoundCloud, the whole nine, as well as on sportsblognewyork.com, which you can follow by going on Twitter and following at SportBlogNYC or my personal Twitter at pkennedy 2 Wise to learn everything you want to know about the podcast, New York sports, national sports. We got everything over here. But most importantly, if you like this podcast, the one you're listening to right now, go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, subscribe to it, so you get a little notification of when we get new episodes, typically every Monday and one other one in the middle of the week. Got a lot of content coming out. Of course, the NBA outsiders are crushing basketball coverage as well. Humble brag. <laughs> but tonight we're here to talk about New York sports. We're going to talk about the Yankees. We haven't got our words out about Joe Girardi. We haven't got our words. Well, we got some words out about Mickey Calloway, but we're going to spread, spread some more. But also the New York Knicks are on a two-game win streak. What? <laughs> The New York Knicks have won two games in a row, including a rout of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, we're going to talk about the Knicks, what we saw from them. And joining me on today's podcast, Alec Argento. Salut. Sad about Girardi, says your Twitter. <laughs> I am sad about Girardi. Yeah. Um, like, are you sad in the sense that you don't want him to leave? You're sad that, you know, you're just leaving an era behind? Like, what is it? Where does the sadness come from? No, he's going to be in the next Buck Walter. You know, forgotten about after they're one, and then bring in Joe Torre, um, who's just going to lead them to, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win a bunch, same amount of World Series, but they're going to be a good team for a long time, especially when they put money around this team. And they didn't like Girardi. They were going to fire this guy or not renew his contract no matter what happened this year. If you won the World Series, they were still going to do it. That is the interesting question, and I've heard it asked. I've heard people give their opinions. It's really a tough thing to do. If you win the World Series, you don't renew your manager. That's unbelievable. I think maybe then you make him like a one-year offer and let him turn it down. So it might have might have it might have played out differently. But I think you're right. I think the general consensus is the Yankees had this in mind for a while now. You don't get one game out away from the World Series with a team that wasn't supposed to win more than 82 games and then fire him unless you had that plan no matter what. Good for Joe Girardi in the sense that he has the one ring, right? So you mentioned Buck Showalter. He didn't have that with the Yankees. He didn't have that that one you know thing that you chased to hang his hat on when he left uh, that Joe has, luckily. So I think you can look at the era and be real appreciative of Joe. I think if you're not, you're silly. I think people who are really ecstatic about him being fired, uh, they confuse me a little bit that they're really excited about this. Because uh, I do get, I know obviously I've been pro Joe Girardi on this podcast. If anyone listens to it, um, you should know that. But I do get the option of you need the new voice, a new guy to rally these youngins and, and be the new figurehead of the team. It was time for a new voice, right? But I still don't think there is room for being so pumped and psyched like that Joe Girardi's got. I, I hate people who don't appreciate what Joe Girardi does. Like, Listen, as as any Yankee fan will tell you, sometimes you, he would have you banging your head against the wall with some of his decisions. Because you you always focus on the small things. <clears throat> that he would do that would lose the game except for the bigger picture on how he took this team one game away from the World Series. Like, if you can't see that that was not easy for someone to do, you don't understand the game of baseball. Additionally, you're not going to get... Your next um, your next manager of this team is not going to be a flashy, player, uh, flashy manager. They're going to bring some front office person in who knows analytics because that's the way the game is working. And he's not going to be, he might not be a media darling. He's probably going to be some nerd, you know, who just knows 
how it works on the, on that end. I think it'll be a, a little bit more of an. I think I kind of disagree with you in the sense that I I believe it might be a little bit more of a high energy guy, a guy who is there to basically just to be a leader and not to make the biggest decisions because, like you said, so many of the Yankees' decisions are made um, via analytics. So this guy's not going to be stressed with making the crunch time decisions, but, but you keeping could, the locker room up. If if you don't like Girardi, everybody playing hard. if you don't like Girardi for his binder moves, as everyone would always call him, the next guy's going to be even worse with it. Absolutely, like so, it's, you're not going to understand why they're doing it. They have information you don't. So they and they already have someone in mind. You don't fo- you don't let him go unless you know who you want to replace, or at least have a short list, a general idea of who you want to hire. Yeah, you have this identified. This isn't like. The Dusty Baker situation with the, with the Nationals or anything like that. They know exactly what what direction they're going to go in. But if you, he's going to be even worse with that in that department than Joe Girardi was. So I don't. Uh, this is one of those things where it's like everyone is saying, "I want him fired. I want him fired." You can't name somebody who would be a good manager who would fit this team. Like it's my guess, by the way. I, 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 this is just no. I don't see anybody talking about it. I could see them taking Al Padrique, who is their AAA manager. He used to manage the. the Diamondbacks for like a year, I think like 2008 or so. But that would make a lot of sense. That's th- that's a team, I mean, that's a, play, uh, a manager that, that really understands analytics. A lot of these players have played before with him, mm-hmm. won a championship with him in AAA. Uh, and, and, and you really, you know, and they, they all have nothing but nice things can, to can say. I, can I stop you for a second? Sure. You're bringing up AAA managers and AAA championships. That's wild. <laughs> but it's an analytics thing. <laughs> no, I get it. I'm just saying... When have you ever cited a triple A manager or triple A success for the New York Yankees manager? Like the one of the most high profile jobs in the sport, if not the most high profile job in the sport. It's really just interesting for me to hear somebody talk about a name like I don't even know who that is. Who, who is Al Padrique? I don't know who that the is. Manager for the trip for the for well, Scrubs Bay Rail Riders. I, I mean, uh, for, former manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. If you are accurate, which I assume you are, because I'm not fact checking, but. <clears throat> that's still wild that we're citing this guy for a possibility to be the Yankees manager. Um, I think the names that get thrown out, a Which lot of them ridiculous. are ridiculous. I find it hilarious, by the way, when people bring up Alex Rodriguez's name in this. I mean, if the man wanted to be the manager, I'm sure he could. But also, as a Yankees fan, do you want the high-profile A-Rod no, electric media circus. media circus? Right, that's what I'm saying. Listen, I love A-Rod. So do I. So but, do I. And he has a thousand t- things better to do than to manage 162 games a year. Yeah. I, 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 I think he'd be a really good manager. Sure. But like you said, he's going to bring with him a media circus. And, like, and that's such a ridiculous thing that people are throwing out there. Or when they say Don Mattingly, Don Mattingly continues to not get the Yankees managerial job. Yeah. Stays not getting the Yankees managerial job. Why would this time be any different? There's a reason he is the coach of the Marlins. And yeah. Not, and not the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and I, I think also... Um, or Jorge Posada is another name I see out there. It's so dumb if you think that that's – well, it would be funny though because he did take over Girardi's job at catcher. If he could take over his job as manager. That would be an interesting wrinkle. Uh, we're we're going to get more into this. And I think there's something to the conversation about managers in MLB in general. So we have the Mets signing Mickey Calloway. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. But we're kind of going to talk more of an uh, overarching idea here that I have. I want to test on you and our SBNY listeners. But this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Peter Kennedy, Alec Argento in with you today. Thank you for listening. Something we don't get to say enough. Uh, just appreciate anybody who tunes into this podcast. We don't have, obviously, the most listeners in the world. We have people who come every week, though. And the people who come every week, we appreciate that. Uh, tell your friends if you like this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. Leave a rating and a review. Drop some stars. 
it takes maybe 30 seconds to write a quick thought on what you think. Thought on what you think. You know what I mean? Uh, so thank you for listening, for tuning in. But we're going to get some more stuff on the MLB and managers. So this now segues into both the Yankees and Mets situation here where we're talking about analytics and we're talking about these decisions being made not by the manager but by the organization. Clearly, Brian Cashman's one of those guys. So I have this little thing that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing here with the Mickey Calloway signing where he is now a head assistant coach for a really good team under Terry Francona. It reminds me now of the NFL where you have Bill Belichick's assistants, basically, just becoming the next head coaches. And you have the Seahawks coaching assistants becoming, yeah, becoming the next head coaches. These, these programs that people trust and like their, their, uh, their culture, they're taking the assistants. And now the Indians obviously had a good culture over the past few years. Terry Francona is well-revered amongst baseball guys. Now his, one of his head assistants is a head coach. Is this something that's going to happen in baseball now where maybe the managerial experience doesn't matter because the managerial decisions are being made for them. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I have very little faith in Mickey Calloway. Not because of who he is or what he's done. Name me a good pitching coach that became a manager. But that's that's not even my point, really. I, I and mean, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a no, minute. But so, no, I understand what you're saying. But it's you, you have to have a, a root of success in doing that. If you, you know, if, 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 if just because this starts... It doesn't work out. You're not going to see people doing that. I actually think that MLB in general is veering away from that. I mean, veering they, away, but they've never really done that before. What? Have a coaching well, taking like pitching coaches and hitting coaches, well, I just and mean, I just mean in, to in, making the managers. I mean in in terms of established people who who have like tried to work up the ladder, like you know bench coaches and stuff like that. I think like look at AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch was an analytics guy. You know, like he he's not. He's the type of person. I think that's the type of person the Yankees are going to get. I think that's the type of person the the Nationals are going to get. So I think what the Mickey Callaways of the world, the John Farrells of the world, those are going. Those are you know kind of like you know going the way of the dinosaur. I think that you're going to have a lot less of them. I'd be interested to see with Mickey Callaway, but I doubt. I don't have a lot of faith in, in, in someone like that who's not an analytical person because. Well, it, it doesn't matter if he is right now. If he's getting ideas fed to him every day, do you in do you, you think know, the before games and during games? games. That's a damn good question. Do the Mets put money into anything? That's, is the real question. I, I but that's also that's right. also part of my my theory here is that these high profile managers who do get paid a couple million dollars, they may be going by the wayside too. Because if there's a yeah, there's a organization who's comfortable, you know, leading their managerial choice in whatever direction they want, they don't need to spend five million dollars on Dusty Baker. Right. They don't need to spe- spend four million on Joe Girardi. They can take Mickey Calloway. They can take Coach X on. Uh, the bench of the Diamondbacks, if they like him as a right. guy, and they throw him in. Right. And, and it's interesting. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it happens in football. It totally happens in football. And it, it, I just saw that parallel. It may be premature, but it was just the one thing no, it's fun to talk with the about. Indians. You know, it, it, is, it is interesting. So who are those teams in the MLB? Like the Patriots and the Seahawks and uh, maybe the Packers, right, that have these cultures set that their assistant coaches have these but chances you, to take these you steps. know what's crazy, though, in baseball, like, I think Joe Girardi was the longest tenured one one of the longest tenured big managers in the league at that point. I think Mike Sosha is like the only one I can think of that's been there longer. On Terry Collins is the longest tenured Mets manager ever. Yeah, but so I'm saying like it's hard <laughs> about get, that. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get a coaching tree when no you don't really get to instill your own culture because baseball's a little bit different than any other sport too because it's so established. Right. For the most part, these teams have been around for at least seventy years, most of them. And these players have kind of their own routines anyway. Right. So it's you're not really going to have that kind of established coaching. A model that stays there for 
20 years, you know? Bill Parcells is not... It, it, uh, there's not a lot of Bill Parcells of the MLB. It's interesting. It really is. Uh, what other jobs are open now? You said the Nationals job is open. So the Yankees and the Nationals are open. That's two big teams. Red Sox. Two playoff teams and the Red Sox. No, did they fill up with Alex Cora? Oh, right. Well, not, I don't know if it's official. It might not be official. Alex Cora is still... He's, he's a bench coach on the... Uh, that is correct. Astros. That is correct. I think he might have gotten hired, but might not be official yet. Yeah. Correct. But it's interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Um, so to the Mickey Callaway point here... Not talking about him specifically as what he's going to do. Because let's be real. We don't really know. We don't know what he's going to be doing as a manager. So what I want to talk to you about real quick is the situation that the Mets are in with Mickey Callaway. Mickey Callaway. Do you think the Mets have the opportunity to do one of these MLB patented switches where a team's not very good and they can become good because they have some talent already that didn't work out or they had a bunch of injuries or one or two signings can really change the scope of the team. Um, the Mets aren't a team that spends a ton of money, but do you think it the Mets, with what they have right now moving forward, do you think they're one of those teams that has the opportunity to make the switch from bad to good? No, because I think they did irreparable damage to their arms this year. Um, I And I think that won't happen in the future, I, I, if the, you know, just the way that it's trending. Terry Collins was a horrible manager. I've been saying it for years. You have been anti-Terry for a while. <laughs> I like He seems like a nice guy, but, like, no, cannot... He let the prison... The, oh, I shouldn't say the inmates were on the asylum because of that whole Texans thing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, take that. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're using that one for what it's actually strike, supposed to be used for. Strike that from the record. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, they, that whole everybody on that team dictated what they wanted to do. And that ended up doing so much damage to the, to like the, 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 the rotations, elbows, and shoulders and everything. Noah Syndergaard might not ever... And, and another reason, Noah Syndergaard and, and Matt Harvey are so successful because they throw really hard and throw really hard breaking balls, which most pitchers in baseball have the ability to do. But don't do it because it really puts a lot of stress on your arm. So... They won't be able to do that going forward. They're not going to have the numbers that they're they, that they've had uh, in, the, in the past. And I think if I were the Mets, I'd strip this down ASAP. I, we all knew that this window was going to be small for them to be legitimate contenders, smaller than we thought. But any sports franchise that knows they're not going to be competitive this year, just the way that it's kind of working, uh, kind of strips it down immediately and then hopes for the best. So you're kind of saying blow it up. Right, but, but I think that's good for a new manager to grow with a team. Sure, that that's fair. So what I want to do is play devil's advocate here for a moment. You said blow it up, and I don't completely disagree with you. I don't really know where I stand yet. I think baseball is such a weird sport where you can make these flips really quickly. So it's tough to say blow it up when you know all of a sudden by the All-Star break next year, they can be leading the division. Not saying that's going to happen, but it's possible, right? And we've seen it happen before. So to play devil's advocate, if you look at this team, and Adam Rosario is now up, he proved that he can play in the bigs uh, in his stint last year. Should you hope for him to get better, right? Dominic Brown's a guy who you now expect to be an MLB player, right. a lineup guy who is there for 100 and whatever games, 40, 50 games. Still have Cespedes if he's, if he's healthy. You got some other little pieces here and there, and those pitchers, like you said, are now the toss-up. They used to be the staple. They're now the absolute lottery. If they're good, you're like, thank goodness these guys are healthy at the same time, but you just can't feel comfortable saying that. But... With all that being said, you take Rosario and you get a free agent signing. You have a few young guys who are cheap. You have a few guys who are getting paid like Cespedes. And now this team can compete again. Yes, but getting pitching is never easy. It's the hardest thing to do in, in baseball. 
It's true. It is true. But so I mean, out of the guys, Degrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Wheeler, Max, five guys you expect to be good who clearly can't stay healthy or can't be good at the same time. Out of those five guys, how many of them do you have confidence to be, you know, successful pitchers or even just pitchers who pitch for most of the season? Uh, out of the, out of those five, I mean Jacob Degrom, but I mean this is the only one that comes so to mind. over under one and a half. Under. <laughs> Under. So yeah. you only trust one Mets pitcher to stay healthy and be good for the year. But also, like, Jacob, Jacob DeGrom, like, is – he's really good. He's a great pitcher. He's not, like, a thrower like the rest of them. Um, but I don't know that – he's he's going to be leaving soon. He's going to be a free agent soon. He's older. He's not someone <clears> – people <throat> forget how much older he is than everyone else. I think he's, like, 29 or 30 years old soon. He is uh, older. Yeah, so you can't really build around Jacob DeGrom. He needs to go somewhere. You know, you can get value from him. In a team that's a legitimate competitor, you can get you can uh, strip their farm system down, grab some good players for, her, and then they all come up together. You have Rosario and Smith that came up together, right? Yeah. Then you have the next batch that comes up together. Then you start then because you uh, you have all this homegrown talent. It's what the Yankees do, what the Cubs did. Um, you you add some money and attach it to this this core, and then everyone works together, and you get solid role players to fill it out, and that's how you build a championship. You can't have remnants of the last good team and expect it to just be that old team. Just not the way it works because you can't buy a championship like you used to with the way the luxury tax and losing compensatory uh, with the compensatory t- uh, picks and, and not being able to uh, to build your farm system if you grab through free agency. So, it's, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I hear it. I agree with you, actually, and it reminds me of the Yankees, obviously, is the easy example here where they kind of did combine the mix of putting money and trades with like of talent with right. these young guys coming up, and they combined it to get success quicker than they expected. On the contrary, the Mets had this year where, you know, they did make that World Series run, then lost in the wild card game, and then had a really bad year. Is the quick flip actually good for them if we're talking about like sustained success for the team? If you want the Mets to be more guaranteed to be good in three, four, five years, maybe it's not the best bet for them to try to do a quick flip and compete next year. Maybe it is better for them to just see what happens, take things as it comes, make good trades, acquire picks, acquire talent. So maybe them making a quick flip and, and figuring it out in year one with Mickey Callaway may not be the best for years two through six because after that year one, they might lose too much stuff. See, the one thing I disagree with you is that you, you, you keep saying that like one of those teams that does the quick flip. Yeah. That happens when you're really bad for a long time and you build your farm system or however you gather. That's, it's not like basketball where you tank two seasons you get two superstars in the draft if they both work out you have a franchise all of a sudden baseball is a slow burn where you have to lose a lot to get those type of players um and unless you're losing 100 games a season like the nationals did or the astros did right you're not going to get those type of players you really need to build your farm system up and then out of nowhere you have that flip that's just how it works but it seems out of nowhere because there's all this background work that's being done right that makes sense it does uh and the good one you brought up there is the houston astros example a because they're in the world series as we speak uh they did that they were bad they already had altuve but they were still bad losing 100 games a year get springer and get correa and then Bregman and, and Keichel. right Bregman Keichel. Then you make the uh, the next little moves here and there. Where you bring in Reddick and you bring over McCann, and Bellinger, now you have a team. Yeah. And then they're good, and now they're winning a hundred games. But it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen like a, a quick switch. That is a good point. Now, off the top of your head, do you know how the Mets farm system uh, stacks up? Average, or, uh, middle of the road, maybe a little slightly below average. I mean, now, now that Rosario's, Rosario's up, right. Rosario they're probably a little bit more pedestrian, if you yeah. will. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. This is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento, here with you today, <coughs> talking sports. Thanks for coughing, just like in the middle of, of that little segue right there. Want me to just keep doing it? No, I'd prefer if you didn't. Into the mic. Yeah, right cough into, the, into the mic. Cough right into it. Good to know. <laughs> That's it. Well, we have the Knicks who played uh, a couple games in the past couple days, and they won both of them. Knicks won two in a row. Christophs Porzingis, by the way, the first player in Knicks history to score 30-plus points in four of the first five games of a season. Oh, he's good. Hashtag good. He's pretty good. Tim Hardaway Jr., first good game back with the Knicks, 30-plus points against the Cavs. It was a lot of fun to watch this team play today. Uh, well, for people listening last night, for us recording right now, earlier, they're fun. They are fun when they play the brand of basketball where they move around on offense, where they compete on defense. And we've been saying this now consistently since the season started. We don't want the Knicks to lose, but we can be okay with it. Yeah. We're rooting for the Knicks to win games, obviously. Not Maybe not obviously, actually. I people, want, people want to tank. I think we're just rooting for them to put out intensity. And more likely than not, if you put that out, you're going to win some games. Exactly. So we're rooting for them to win. We're okay if they lose. But the number one thing that you need to see is productive basketball plays. So like when you see Frank Nittikeen... Nicotine. I just combined Nilakina and Nicotine right there. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> combined both. When you see him make a full court bounce pass uh, through the, through the defense court, yeah. to Tim Hardaway, even though he got fouled or whatever, you just love to see it, and it makes you have something to hang your hat on. And whether or not they win the game, you see the productivity, and that's what we're getting to see out of guys like Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee and Frank Nilakina and even Jared Jack. What would yeah. you What do you think watching this game? Um, I like the. Jared Jack, for one, knows he can impact the game without having to score points, even though he did take a lot of shots for, for a Jared Jack type person, and he misses every one of them. <laughs> what, do you have two points tonight? Yeah, two points. I was shocked that he had two points. I looked at the box score later, and I don't remember that. I think that's a lie. Um, this is also, by the way, Tim Hardaway Jr. getting this, like the monkey off his back kind of, is so huge. Uh, and if you can, he can carry on that momentum and just be cut, like, he doesn't have to put up 34 points every game, but if he can just be pr- productive night in and night out um, from this, then you got to take that any day of the week. They said in the open that he's been he's been open about how he's pressing. Right. He was pressing to, you know, f- kind of feel that he is worth what he, he got paid and to come back to New York where he started his career and shamefully got traded to come back and just prove that he should belongs to be here and he belongs in this NBA and is a true scoring threat in the league. He was pressing, and it showed. And now he got the monkey off the back. What was he, 11 of the 18 on, on the shooting tonight? Right. Fantastic performance. I don't know if that's exactly right, but it was close. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool to see him not only shooting, but my favorite thing about Tim Hardaway Jr. is when he gets to the free throw line and gets to the rim. That's what makes him a consistent scorer. Because you have good shooting nights, you have bad shooting nights, but when you get to the rim, you can finish near the rim, that makes a good player great. How, how out are you on Enos Cantor? Enos Cantor's not very good. No, and he really likes to force up shots a lot and get away with travels, which eventually will not be, you will not get away with those. He um, hasn't been getting away with all of them. No, <laughs> He's been getting he, he does a lot more than he gets away with. Um, and I, really, I don't know about you, I really like Hornacek's um, rotations today. Like, that was the first time I noticed where he's putting out different rotations kind of situationally based um, instead of sticking with Lance Thomas for 30,000 minutes for no reason or, you know, it had a purpose today or, um... It felt, it felt fluid for the Knicks today. It really did it feel fluid. You know? And it's a good thing. I think it's tough for Knicks fans and I'm with you. So if you're a Knicks fan and you're saying, where's Willie? Where's Kuz? Why is Frank not getting more minutes? 
Um, like get Lance Thomas out of here. <laughs> Where's Damian Dotson? These are the things Knicks fans want to see, and it makes sense, and I'm with you. You want to see if Dotson can play at this level. Everybody loves Kuz. I mean, he, the guy literally is named Cheese because he smiles all the time. He's a great dude, and everyone loves him. But what I heard from Jeff Hornacek about why, specifically, Willie Hernan Gomez is not playing right now, it shows that there's a culture of competitive nature that the Knicks didn't always have. Jeff Hornacek stated that Willie Hernan Gomez is not getting minutes right now is because Kylo Quinn and Enos Cantor won those minutes in preseason and training camp and practice. They earned them. Now, does Willie face up better against the competition in the NBA? Will he get better numbers? Maybe. But if you're having a culture where guys are getting minutes from earning them in practice and earning them in games, that's the culture you want. So even if your guy right now isn't getting the minutes, Willie's opportunity will come at some point this year. He's going to get his chances to play. But having that culture of competing to earn minutes is important, and it's something the Knicks never had. Like, when did the Knicks have that? Well, I don't know, but I, that, that speaks to what I was going to say. Um, you had told me this before. I hadn't heard what you just said about Hornacek, and I love it, because it shows transparency, and you were telling me before. This is like the first time in recent memory where Steve Mills talks to the media, you know, nips things in the bud before they get too big. Jeff Hornacek's doing that. Scott Perry is transparent as well. Like, it really adds to the culture, and... Things don't get too big, you know, and then it focuses on the actual basketball play. So, uh, pretty not not a true answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it and see what you have to say. What other market in the NBA specifically does a media drive a team's vibe? Basically, you know, in what other market can a media peppering players and coaches and GMs with questions really impact how comfortable everybody is talking to like the media and how? And how much they interact with each other and talk behind each other's backs. Like, yeah, I, I think New York and the Knicks have this culture where the media, if they push things hard enough, can actually affect the players, the team, and the coaches. And it, like, I don't know where else that happens. Be crazy. <laughs> it drove Melo crazy, and thank God he was a professional yeah. and answered the questions that KP didn't have to answer last year. Now he does. But like you said, this was really, really cool to me when Steve Mills came out after you know the Knicks went zero and three. There, people are like, "Oh, Hornacek on the hot seat." According to sources, no. It's because it's New York. Lost three games brutally. The team didn't look good. Now Frank Isola's tweeting, Mark Berman, and not even better. That man's respectable as hell. But people are tweeting about Hornacek being on the hot seat. And what, is, uh, what does uh, Steve Mills do? He comes out and says, Hornacek's fine. He's not on the hot seat. We need to let him grow and let him do his thing. And that's what you want to say. But he didn't just also he didn't just let him off the hook. Like you know, He said, listen, there's things we want to work on. I'm not happy with how certain things are doing. But he's fine. He's gonna have room to grow, you know. And so it's not just a canned answer. Because a lot of times you get the vote of confidence. I remember that that always happened with the Cowboys. Jerry Jerry Jones would give the vote of confidence to Wade Phillips or Tony Romo or Jason Garrett. <laughs> Jay, yeah, and, and then they're gone. You know, like they're gone the next day. So, but this is, seems authentic, and it seems that he's got his back. But he also knows that you're not. We're not just gonna. If you set yourself up for failure and, and, and resign yourself to say, "Hey, we're not a good team, and we're fine with losing," um, then. That's gonna happen. So, and then it gives a built-in excuse to someone like Jeff Hornacek to be bad. Right. You, know? you want him to still coach his ass off. You want these players to still play play as hard as they can. So, he's still lighting a fire under him, but knowing that he's gonna have room to do it in a way that fosters uh, and facilitates growth. And to use examples that jump off the top of my head, uh, two pretty close nearby teams, in division teams for the Knicks, the Sixers and the Nets have had losing cultures, if you look at the stack column of their wins and losses in the standings, they've been losing games like nobody else in the league over the past like four or five years. 
But what do they have? Kenny Atkinson and Brett Brown, coaches that are fiery, who get young guys to buy into playing defense and play hard. And though the Nets' defense is actually bad this year, they're playing really hard, and it's obvious. The Sixers have been playing hard for years, and now they have talent. They're competing with some of the best teams in the league. You had the culture, and you saw it. When you watched the Sixers play the Knicks last year, with Melo and everything, the Knicks were probably a more talented team. And I'm pretty sure they came close to splitting on the season. And I just remember watching, saying, these Sixers, these Sixers are hungry. And yeah, he's like the perfect example. TJ McConnell, I guess, he, he did the buzzer beater, remember? Yeah, he had the turnaround yeah. buzzer beater. But these guys ball out, and they play hard. Balls to the wall on the Sixers on the Nets, and it shows now when they get a little talent, they compete with some of the better teams. The Knicks are just starting to show that they're competing night in, night out, and it's 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 refreshing. Well, that's what we said. We that's all we want out of this season. I mean, it, you, I, I I mean, in fairness, we could turn out to be like the Browns. Browns always compete, still never win. They <laughs> lose a lot of games. You want to hope eventually it turns into some W's in in, in, in the future, but. Um, Right now, I, I just I want to see Hornacek give the you know what knowing what he's after what he said about um uh, Willie not getting why he's not getting the minutes, I'm fine with the competition then you know I, I want that to happen because then that dude just it's gonna light a fire eventually those older players are gonna go and it's those younger players are gonna remember that you know and it humbles them and it, it fuels them to go forward so absolutely it, it it's refreshing so this is my question my question to the sports blog New York podcast listeners. You can hit us on Twitter at SportBlogNYC. You can hit me at P. Kennedy with two Ys on the end. Are you pleased with the Knicks right now? The Knicks have another game tonight, their first back-to-back of the season. But are you pleased? Are you refreshed? Are you okay with what you're, what you're watching right now? And that's really what it comes down to because we're not going to be blown away with wins. We're not going to be getting 30 points tonight from Tim Hardaway Jr. But if you have them here and there and you have consistent performances, I think it's going to be at least watchable this season. And that's always the thing we get afraid of as Knicks fans, right? So certain Knicks fans like me and you and, and diehards will watch when they're, you know, 20 and 40 at the, at the All-Star break. We'll still watch. Some people don't. And I think if they compete and they play hard, they move the ball, get more guys shots, Frankie gets more and more comfortable, this team's going to be watchable. And it would be semi-fun and refreshing to watch them play basketball. Well, I mean, look, they could do with the Yankees. I mean, the Yan- like, you know, when they were a younger team, they, they were fun to watch and People rally around that, and then the team feeds off it too. You know, if 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 they could just be fun, this city is like starved for a good Knicks basketball team. Starved, man. Starved. It's the right word. And like a but like a fun one too. Like the '90s teams were fun. You know, like that. That's the city can rally behind that. Younger players who are like, you know, they say the right things to the media. KP says the right things to the media. Yeah. Know? Like, um, he, he he's like an Aaron Judge type. He's always gonna say the right. Thing. He's not really gonna stumble through it. Uh, maybe he doesn't get to let his personality shine, but that's fine because then the media likes him. They get off his back, and he's allowed to just stick to his game. So they could just be fun. This city will love them, and eventually, you know, the, we we were saying before that the media can affect them in a negative way. They can also affect them in a positive way if they're on that other side. Yeah. And shout shout out to Paul, our friend Paul. Uh, he's in room right now while we're recording. He had the Kristaps Porzingis player prop, <laughs> twenty five and a half points. He got 24 points and then maybe went six or seven minutes without making a <laughs> shot and then finally ended with over 30. So he made it. Shout out, shout out Paul. <laughs> uh, so another thing that we got to talk about now, real quick before we talk about a few little football things, are the Cavaliers bad? Yes. Like the Cavaliers are losing. They've lost. Hold on. It is what? October 30th today? Uh, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers have lost to the Brooklyn Nets, the Orlando Magic, and the New York Knicks. 
like people mostly assumed I was going to fill out the bottom five of the of the draft, like the top like the top five draft picks this year. If you said who are the worst <laughs> teams in the East, people would say uh, the Bulls, the Hawks, the Magic, the Knicks, and the Nets. Yeah, the Cavs have now lost to three of those teams. <laughs> What the hell is going on with them? Are they going to just pray now that when IT comes back that he's going to be IT, doesn't or they need to problem. figure something the hell out? It doesn't I, I? I listen. Maybe I'm over overstating him, but their defense is horrible. That's all. And they they beat the Bulls. They give up forty points to the Bulls in the first quarter. They should have lost to the Bulls too. They have a horrible, horrible defense. And I understand Jay Crowder is a good defender. I understand LeBron is a good defender, but when you have your entire uh, front court, uh, back court, who can't guard anyone, top to bottom, whether it's your starters or your bench, it's gonna break down your entire defense. This, you know, it, you you need to have five people playing defense for good defenders to shine. Let's think about outside of LeBron James, and I do want to be clear that I the Cavs are fine. Like the Cavs are gonna be a top two team in disagree. the East. They're hard, gonna be a top two. Hard disagree. Hard disagree. Hard, who's better than them record wise at, at the end of the year? The Milwaukee and who? Washington, maybe? I, Tur- I, like Toronto? I, see, well, I definitely think Washington. Not, um, I think not, not Boston? Like Boston? I don't, I don't think know so. about Boston. I think I think Boston is just like a weird team. I don't really – I can't gauge them yet. I don't know if they – now that Gordon Hayward's gone, I don't know if they're going to be good. They're going to be bad. They're playing some good basketball. They have some room to grow, obviously. Yeah, it's just – it's hard to gauge them. You don't really know. It doesn't seem like anyone has a real good feel for what they're going to be. All right, so wait. Let's think about the Cleveland Cavaliers outside of LeBron James. So off, for, for starters, let's talk about the starters. Derrick Rose is a starting point guard. Dwayne, well, Jarrett Smith is a starting shooting guard. LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. Off the bat, for their careers, Derrick Rose and Kevin Love, not good defenders right now. Not very good defenders. If you want to say Kevin Love is close to a a wash, go ahead. He's not good. He's fine, if you want. Tristan Thompson kind of has a reputation of being a good defender. In my opinion, I think he's he's an average (laughs) defender, good rebounder. Uh, so he's but he's fine. That's fair. Sure, I, I like that assessment. Sure, he's fine, right? Jared Smith, if you want to be really, really nice, he's average, right? Like if you want to be really, really he's nice, better than he used to be. Yeah, doesn't mean he's good. Doesn't mean he's good at defense. <laughs> he might be average, and it depends on what might be. what Jr. Smith you're getting. So off the bat, that's a couple uh, not great defenders. And those there. are your best players, and yeah, and those are your best players. So then you go to the bench and you talk about Kyle Korver, not a good defender. <laughs> You talk about Dwayne Wade, who's a very not good defender right now. He's very Great not blocker. good. Great blocker. Great shot blocker for the two guard, but not a good defender. Uh, Jay Crowder's good and kind of is a Swiss Army knife for them at this point, playing with the starters, playing the four, playing whatever. This team is not very good on defense, man. They can't really rebound. If they're if they're not getting it from LeBron and the starters, who's who's getting their boards? Oh, wait, wait, hold on. I have a question for you. If this lasts until... Maybe the end of the next month, where they're average or a little, or where they're at now, maybe a game or two under five hundred. How hot is Tyloo's seat? Tyloo's seat might get hot. Oh, if, I mean, they're, if, if they're LeBron's unhappy, that guy's out of there in a second. Let's think about this. Let's think about this because you just said some crazy wild stuff. Uh, I I never thought about Tyloo's seat being hot. Well, anyone, anyone are we being are we being ridiculous though, Paul? Paul's in the room, like we just mentioned. Paul, you, you don't usually say things when you're in the room when we record stuff. You just kind of hang out and watch football. <laughs> but are we being ridiculous for saying Tyloo's seat not is not it's not hot right now? It's not hot right now. If they're average in a month, but can his seat get hot? Yeah, definitely. This season, definitely. Ask David Blatt. <laughs> so, so we're not being ridiculous. No. Okay, thank you, Paul. He might just be saying that, <laughs> but I'll take it. Uh, people on Twitter at SportsBlogNYC at Kenley Two Wise. If we're being ridiculous that we can see a place where Tyloo's seat's a little warm, a couple too many farts up on that seat, 
let us know if we're being out of, out of our minds right now. Are you worried about the Cleveland Cavaliers? Or are you just not? And they're going to be fine. You, I don't know. Can you tell me one thing? Who in the East do they match up well against that's like a legit competitor? I think they match up okay with everybody. Okay. I okay. I th- see, I think head-to-head, the Wizards match up really well against them. I think I think the Celtics might even match up well against them. Um, I mean, you got. You I think they're better. T- I think they might be a better team. Cap. If you're talking just, guard play, the Wizards have a better guard play. The Raptors have yeah. better guard play. The Celtics have better guard play. Celtics low key have a little bit better of, of, of a front court this year too. Eh, LeBron James is a front court player. No, I'm saying Kevin Love would be the best front court player on the Celtics no, I'm right this, now. This, um, this, uh, what? Wait, what? I think the Cavs. The Cavs front court's better. No, it's definitely better, but I'm just saying it's not as bad as it was last year because like that was they couldn't rebound at all last year. They couldn't really get 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 underneath the. Uh, yeah, that's true. Aaron Baines has been a tough guy for them, and honestly, I I know I've been talking about this guy for a while. Uh, I think Jalen Brown is very much the real deal. Yeah, he's playing out of his mind. I think he does everything on the floor that you can ask of of a wing. He can slash. He's a shooter. He plays defense, and he can help out rebounding. He's a good player, and Jason Tatum is impressing me right who, now. Who has a better year at the end of the year? Between those two guys? Yeah. Jalen Brown. You think? Jalen Brown will be more consistent this year, absolutely. Jason Tatum might have some more flashy scoring games. I still think Jalen Brown's overall just a better Fair. player. Fair. Um, that's pretty good stuff, though. That's basketball. Stay tuned this week for the NBA Outsiders. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at NBA underscore Outsiders. Check them out because we also have an episode coming out later this week. Strictly NBA. You know how it goes on the NBA Outsiders podcast. Uh, a Sports Blog New York podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts app, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the whole nine. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm Pete County, joined with Alec Argento. Last couple things to talk about. First things first, the Giants did not lose this week. It was a big week. Big, big week. Season. Big week for the Giants. <laughs> no loss for the Giants. That's good stuff, Ooh, right? We get Sterling back next week, that means. That should be true. Oops. That should be true. Are the, are the Giants better without Odell? <laughs> Uh, yes. Significantly. What? Are you Significantly serious? better without Odell back Shut in your game. mouth. You're just kidding. just kidding. Okay, good. I'm not We're not even going there. <laughs> I literally said that to... I brought that up just to be a jerk. Like, that is the most asinine thing anyone could ever say about a football team. When, when he went down and then they beat the Broncos, we were watching the game together, and he, you said, just watch. Tomorrow you're going to see tweets about... Are they, be- are they better without Odell? I said that you're, you're crazy. You're an idiot. And I'm pretty sure. Five I, minutes later, I saw the tweet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said that to you, and you were like, all right, dude, no, people aren't going to overreact that yeah. hard. I'm like, what? Have you ever been on Twitter? Like, it is almost only overreactions. <laughs> I couldn't have been more than five minutes before I saw that tweet. <laughs> I also, wait, speaking of overreactions, I saw on Twitter, I don't remember who said it. It wasn't somebody I followed. I just ran into it. Are the Knicks a playoff team? Like, come on, dude. They won two games. They won two games. No, I, I, I agree. I'm just trying to think. Chill. This I, I'm just thinking in general. This whole like if you look at the standings right now, it do, nothing makes sense. Like nothing makes sense. Like the the Magic are the head of the, the division. That the the Grizzlies are the head of their division. It's just been weird. It's a weird first couple weeks. What makes sense though, is that the Bucks are good. What doesn't make sense though is that the Magic are also four and two. And the Grizzlies. Well, that doesn't that that makes sense to me personally. personally. Yeah, I'm I'm not shocked at all. I think the Grizzlies are a solid team. They're you well like coached. Coach? I think Mike Conley and Marcus All are two of the best five players in the court, like nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten, those two guys compete with anybody out there. Fair. But I mean, like I was saying with, with, with the Cavs, I mean, just because you have one or two good players who are incredible or really good doesn't mean it's hard to make up for that. But what does Memphis hang their hat on? Team defense. De- team defense. Fair. Team defense. And guess what? Tyreek Evans has been playing good ball for the Grizzlies. Haven't heard that name in a minute. Because <laughs> he's either been hurt. <laughs> 
or you just forgot about him since he won Rookie of the Year for the Kings <laughs> like six or seven years ago. <laughs> All right, well, actually, we have one more New York football team to talk about. We're in about 40 minutes here, P. County, Alec Argento, but the last thing to talk about now, the New York Jets are perfectly playing out the game where Jets fans are happy because they're competing and there can be in the game and they're pumped up and they're drinking beers and they're, they're Snapchatting their tailgates, <laughs> but they're still losing and getting a better draft pick. I don't know that you can ultimately be happy. If not you, happy, if but you, bet, yeah. No, no, not even that. If you have Josh McCown as your quarterback. <laughs> like, not, not, A, because he's like, all right, first of all, by the way, we were saying this before, the Jets are the best first quarter team and the worst uh, fourth quarter team I've ever seen in my life. Proven by pure eye test <laughs> But they, uh, like, you don't want Josh McCown, because Josh McCown's 37 years old, doesn't believe in porn, weird guy. Well, what? You don't know that? You've never wait, seen wait, that? Wait, wait, he doesn't believe, no, I'm sorry, he doesn't never believe in porn? Yeah, you never seen. Is him. that the terminology he used? I mean, he believes it because it exists. Oh, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was saying, does he like just, just? He's not like a porn denier. Like, okay, well, that's kind of what you said. He doesn't believe in it. I'm like, well, what? It's clearly he goes a real on, thing. I you have to go look into this because he goes on these huge rants about how it, like it's like ruining America. It's really funny. Um, that's unbelievable. I need to look into that. <laughs> but I, you got it. Like in my opinion, no. Even if Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg. Or, Dog, dog crap, like they're they're horrible. <coughs> you still gotta put them in there before you put Josh McCown in there. Maybe they figure something out. What's your end game with Josh McCown quarterbacking? Like that would that would infuriate me if I was Your end game is to not expose that your two young quarterbacks stink. But who cares if they do? If they do, you draft another Apparently the, the Jets care. But what's what's the reasoning behind like it boggles my mind how you wouldn't want every young player to play. But wait, with Josh McCown the way he's playing right now. <coughs> Wouldn't she be okay with him staying on the field right there? I would be upset if I were the front of the Jets. Yeah, all right. Well, let's bring let's, let's bring Paul back in. <laughs> Paul is a Jets fan. Do you just do you want to see the young guys and stink more? Not yet. See, <laughs> oh, you believe he see, believes still. I told you yeah. he's he's okay with watching Josh McCown make this team almost win. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you want to win the games <laughs> you watch. Very minimal words out of Paul. But if you're a Jets fan, hit us up on Twitter. You know where it is. Sportball NYC, P. Kennedy, two Ys. Um, are you okay with the Jets like just competing but losing? Do you want them to get these wins? Where do you land on this whole thing? Uh, are they fun for you to watch? Can you sit down on a Sunday and not hate yourself while watching the Jets? That's important because the Jets fans really do, kind of like Knicks fans, enjoy hate watching. Yeah, but look, they've been losing a lot of close games, right? Yeah. Outside of two of the Giants' losses, they've all been close games. Yeah, I hate that. I'd rather lose flat out. No, I'm not in it. Don't get invested. Yeah, but means- you guys started in completely different areas. The Giants yeah. started with expectation and uh, soda cans getting knocked over. I'm, really me- I'm a mess today. Yeah, you're blowing it. <laughs> but no, Giants fans expected wins all year. Jets fans didn't expect anything all yeah. year. The Jets fans were expecting to be defeated right now. They, if you if you were the Jets and you were 0 and 8 right now, you would not be shocked. You would not be shocked. You'd be like, well, we knew the Jets stunk. <laughs> and they have three wins. They're competing. They almost beat the Falcons. Yeah, it's, it's not bad to watch. But Josh McCann also gives you a chance. Like, the Jets need to lose games. That Those three wins. But wait, if they lose hold out. on. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. What did we talk about with the Knicks? What is important uh, for the Knicks' growth is being able to play positive uh, yes, on the court. But not if you have Josh McCann because that means you're still trying to win the game. So isn't that the same as Jared Jack playing well for this team? Not really, because I don't. I, you're still giving Frank Nielakina minutes. Like there's still other point guards, there's still other people getting getting their hands on the ball. A quarterback 
There's only one quarterback. You're not you're not putting in one quarterback and then taking him out and then putting the other one back in. He's taking touches away from other people that may or may not be good, whatever. But he's also giving you a chance to win games. You should not be wanting to win games. If they lose out and they have three wins, they still probably don't get as high of a draft pick as they should have. Right. It's fair. I mean, if they lose out from this point on, they should be top four. Yeah. They should be top four. Uh, it'll be interesting moving forward what the Jets do. Uh, so I asked this, I think, to, I asked this to Phil DeMeo on the podcast last week, so I'll ask you too. Do we at one point this year, and if so, when, see Hackenberger Petty? No, I don't think so. I think they're committed to Josh McCown for You think reason. McCown goes 16 games? I, I, mind-bogglingly, yes. Really? It's so crazy. <laughs> I'm shocked he's this, he's, they've gone this far. It's so crazy. They, I've never seen a team, and it's kind of funny because, like, as a Giants fan, I've seen Eric Flowers, and they've doubled and tripled down on him. They immediately gave up on Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. Like, two, I don't know where Bryce Petty was drafted, but Christian Hackenberg was a second-round pick, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, Petty was a third or fourth, yeah. I forget. So, immediately giving up on these two people, like, without a doubt. Like, didn't even give him a shot, and then you have the, the opposite, where I wish they would just get rid of Eric Flowers, and you just I have to continue to And give him. anyone else a shot. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> what would happen if, in, like, five years, Eric Flowers is, like, a staple on the Giants O-line? No, he's gonna go somewhere like where like he's gonna be like the next like Joe Thomas or something like that. Oh he's, yeah, right. No, like he's just gonna go to a team that he's gonna fade away into oblivion, but he'll quietly be really good. <laughs> right, but it won't matter. But it won't matter. It won't matter <laughs> at all. Oh man, that's good stuff. Uh, so that's that's their takes on the Jets right now. And uh, last question on the Jets: Did Todd Bowles save his job yet? Um, I I I don't know. You never know with the Jets. Like it's just you know just, yeah they're up in the air. I think. You had to know. I like Topples. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I, I think a lot of Jeff fans would disagree with me, but I think you had to have that expectation that he was going to get them to play. He was probably going to lose a lot of games, and you build with Todd Bowles. But I can also see them just firing him at any point. Yeah, it's definitely possible that he can be gone at any minute of any day. Uh, I think he. I think he's doing a good job right now at, at saving that job. I think we might have to put a poll out on that on SBNY Twitter at SportBlogNYC uh, to see if he did yet save his job. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. You got any last thoughts? Um, go Yanks. Go Yankees? Go Yanks. Ugh. Yanks at five. Stroh's life? <laughs> Ooh. No, not Stroh's life for you? No, they're down three to two in the series. I can't wait for them to just resign. I, 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 uh, the Dodgers, by the way, there's I just can't see a way that they ever win uh, the World Series because they suck in the playoffs. But I really hate the Astros, so I'm hoping that the Dodgers win. <laughs> Okay. I hate it. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, as a just general baseball fan, do you root for Kershaw or not? Uh, I get mixed I get mixed signals on he's that. He's so, like, milk toast to me. Like, you know, just like a there guy who's really good. But what, like, what is milk toast exactly? Like, I've heard that phrase before. But, like, what is exactly milk toast? Just like, like just do you dip, there. Do you dip toast in milk? Is that how you get milk toast? It's, it was, an, it was a, you know, they had, like, like, French toast crunch and cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah. It was a flavor of... Milk toast crunch. Milk toast yeah. crunch. They, you know, like you already have the milk and that shit. You just combine it. You don't have to put milk. It was a whole thing. Oh, okay. So the milk came in the cereal. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's how you got milk toast crunch. Uh, all right. That's it. Go Yanks. Go blue team. Go blue team all the way. Go Knicks. Uh, really fun to watch Knicks. Even fun to watch the Nets. Basketball's back. NBA Outsiders podcast coming later this week. This is the Sports Blogging Your Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I like Argento. You have a good old day. All right.